Part six of Sonnets on Anglo Saxon History by Anne Hawkshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sonnets forty eight to fifty six. Forty eight. Alfred was sent by his father to Rome when he was four years old. He travelled by land through France, across the Alps with a large retinue. In his seventh year, he attended his father again a second time to Italy and remained a year in rome he is said by some chroniclers to have had delicate health and to have been sent into ireland when a child and placed there under the care of a religious lady called modwenna alfred the great one the child true he was but a child but a child's heart is a strange mystery clear but fathomless knowing but little of itself we less bright things it holds but then it hath no art to bring them forth into the world's great mart so like the pearls of ocean there they dwell glistening in beauty in a closed shell and painted there and never to depart are nature's scenes that daily silently she places deeper in the inmost heart and like sun pictures that we never see till shaded from the light that bade them start into strange beauty tis amid the strife of manhood that we view our scenes of early life forty nine he alfred was loved by his father and mother and even by all the people above all his brothers as he advanced through the years of infancy and youth his form appeared more comely than that of his brothers in look in speech in manners he was more graceful than they he was a zealous practiser of hunting in all its branches and hunted with great assiduity and success asser's life of alfred alfred the great two remembrances it could not be that he had trod in vain a thoughtful child beneath the cloudless sky that overhangs with deep blue canopy rome's glorious temples they would rise again mid the dark forest or the marshy plain of his cold isle to fill those waking dreams that bless the careworn with their golden gleams fair memories of the things that give no pain those long bright summer hours of idleness to which thou world wayfarer turnst thy gaze have done for thee what thou nor i can guess think them not lost those idle wandering days they are bright colours mid that web of gloom that time is ever weaving for the tomb fifty at the same time the above-named alfred king of the west saxons with a few of his nobles and certain soldiers and vassals used to lead an unquiet life among the woodlands of the county of somerset in great tribulation for he had none of the necessaries of life asser's life of alfred Alfred suffered much from sickness during the whole of his life. Alfred the Great, three, adversity. We wish those we love skies ever clear, long summer days and pathways strewed with flowers. Best lessons are not learned in such bright hours. The dark must teach them. Through the dimming tear, the spirit land looks beautiful and near such hours the soul does to itself reveal and we the mystery of our being feel and shapes of beauty from the gloom appear 
no true and noble heart was ever reared amid soft things it may be pain or want or sorrow or the grave of those endeared or that mysterious woe the soul can plant within itself but sorrow there must be ere it can struggle to the high and free fifty one the wife and children of hastings twice fell into the hands of alfred the second time the king was urged to put them to death to punish hastings for his perfidy but alfred refused loaded them with presents and again sent them free to his fierce and persevering foe alfred the great four releasing the wife and children of hastings the northman proudly she stood before him but her eye was bent upon her children and she pressed their hands with such a grasp that they repressed scarcely their tears and turned to ask her why but her fixed look of tearless agony took away words or motion and those fears gave to the child what they refused the mother tears she gazed with pallid lip and eyelids dry at last she looks on him upon whose tongue hung death or freedom on his chair was laid an antique book and by its side was hung his harp and sword lady be undismayed he rose and said be happy and be free whoever thought that i could injure thee fifty two for three years hastings had contended against alfred determined if possible to obtain a territory in england for himself and his roving band but the ability of the saxon king at last compelled him to withdraw some of his followers settled in east anglia some in northumbria and others escaping to their vessels crossed the ocean and sailed up the seine hastings obtained a small territory from the french king the saxon chronicle says thanks be to god the army the danes had not utterly broken down the english nation but it had suffered much and also from a mortality both amongst men and cattle alfred the great five romney marsh kent the fisher's boat rocks idly on the sea the sheep are resting on the grassy hill where village children wander at their will blithe as the singing birds almost as free and are these all the thoughtful man can see where once intrepid alfred and his band drove the fierce northman from the kentish strand fair is the scene yet other things there be than meet the eye and with this seeming good how much of evil mingles who may say rightly we shudder at those days of blood but ignorance and crime still bar the way and avarice hugs his bags of golden dust and long repose brings idless and false trust fifty three denowulf or denulf the peasant who sheltered alfred in his cottage when he was a fugitive amid the marshes of athelney was afterwards munificently rewarded by the king who observing that denulf was a man of talent persuaded him to apply to letters he became an ecclesiastic and died bishop of winchester in nine hundred and nine denulf from a small lamp a single thread of light fell on the lettered page on which he bent a calm high forehead and an eye intent thus had he sat for hours 
nor marked their flight but his mind wandered now for silent night unrolled for him the records of the past and deeper thoughts came crowding thick and fast than the old roman on his page could write for none like memory writes for us and none can read its record but ourselves and he was thinking there upon that bench of stone of his rude home beneath the forest tree he sighed for who unmoved reviews the past which yet he asks not back nor wished when here to last fifty four ethelfleda or ethelfled as she is called in the saxon chronicle was the eldest child of alfred the great she was one of the most distinguished persons of her time and greatly assisted her brother edward by her courage and ability in repressing the danes after the death of her husband to whom her father had committed the care of london after it had been rebuilt it having been nearly destroyed by the danes she bore the title of the lady of mercia woman one ethelfleda the daughter of alfred woman hath trodden every path of life though to her nature strange priestess or queen to whom men looked in reverence she hath been leader of armies in heroic strife champion for truth when error hath been rife all these and more she hath been and may be and out of these may work in harmony that deeper life of hers the life unseen and that true life how doth the outer touch and make or mar it tis a gift to all a solemn gift that equalizes much that we think differing and call great or small what are the things that give thee inner might these are the great the rest are rust and blight fifty five ethelfleda had been very carefully educated by her father along with her brother edward between the years nine hundred and ten and nine hundred and sixteen she built nine fortresses the last she erected was one at runcorn in lancashire she died in nine hundred and eighteen having governed mercia for eight years and was buried within the east porch of st peter's church at gloucester woman two ethelfleda working mid humble cares and petty strife the routine of thine unheroic days things that deserve not aught of blame or praise perhaps they seem that make the daily life of thee as woman mistress mother wife so are they if we look at them alone not at the reflex image by them thrown upon the soul and lightened by their rays let but thy life be true nor think it mean thy home is not the prison of thy soul beyond its narrow bounds fair things are seen and circling it eternal oceans roll thine be the beauty that the earth still holds and the divine that mortal life enfolds fifty six ethelgiver was the third child of alfred the great she became a nun another monastery was also built by the same king alfred as a residence for nuns near the eastern gate of shaftesbury and his own daughter ethelgiver was placed in it as abbess with her many other noble ladies bound by the rules of the monastic life dwelt in that monastery these two the one for nuns at shaftesbury and the other for monks at athelney 
were enriched by the king with much land as well as personal property. Asser's Life of Alfred Woman 3. Ethelgiver the Nun They had one home, they saw one mother's smile, one father blessed them with his deep strong heart, yet in the world their lives how far apart. One toiled and thought with men, a convent's pile was Ethelgiver's narrow world meanwhile. Was it too narrow for the gaze it filled, and had the heart's loud beatings to be stilled with many an oft-repeated fruitless while? Her life is but a line upon the page of Ethelfleda's story, yet it may have left its impress on that distant age, for the true-hearted live not for their day, and words that pure lips breathe like winged seeds may spring in glorious thoughts or worthy deeds. End of part six.